Welcome to Parallel Church. Welcome everyone that's joining us this morning in Tabor with Pastor Renee and Jill. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Claire's home with Pastor Brian and Heidi. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Okotoks with Pastor Joel and Tanisha. Pastor Joel and Tanisha doing their best to grow our campuses. Come on, Okotoks, give them a big hand. Congratulations to you guys. Welcome uh, Lloyd Mister with Pastor Mike and Carol. Welcome to you guys. Welcome Lethbridge with Pastor Ralph and Cindy. And all of you joining us online, wherever you're watching from around the world, thanks for joining us with Pastor Tim and Jen. And welcome to part two of our series, Minecraft. We are doing a series on, on mental health. And last week I, I read a stat about one in four Canadians, and I don't think this is probably any different around the world, but one in four Canadians are saying that they're struggling with mental health issues, anxieties, depressions, PTSD. And I think after the last couple of years, all of us are dealing with a number of mental health struggles. If we're to be honest, we're we've all experiencing a little bit of PTSD from the craziness of the last two years. And I think we're in a bit of a mental health crisis. So I thought, let's dive right in. Let's attack this thing. Let's learn how to make 2022 the best year yet and to come through this year stronger than ever before going into it with 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 a healthy mindset and being able to take on everything that god wants us to take on last week we looked at a uh, a quote from dr mila she said this in a course that pastor ralph and i went in uh, through a psychology course she said this that mental health is not feeling good all the time. It's about being able to see things clearly and free of distortion. So it's not about feeling good all the time. I think a lot of us, we have these moments where we're like, man, I, maybe I'm dealing with depression. And, and then we have the next day where we're feeling up again. We're going, no, I'm all good. I'm all healthy. And then, you know, we just kind of ride these ways. And, and it's not about, and we judge our mental health a lot of times based on our feelings. And what Dr. Mila says is she says, it's not about you're feeling or feeling good all the time. It's about being able to see things, make decisions, and, and to be able to think clearly and see things free of distortion. Anything outside of the healthy zone is gonna cause us to make irrational decisions, make mistakes, kind of not be as sharp as we want to be. And I, I bring this up because I wanna, I wanna go into a Bible story uh, this morning where we see uh, trauma that had happened, and we see this distortion zone uh, and the level of irrationality that it causes when we, we in the story, we see a number of, of decisions that were made, and in particular, what was said that kind of just shows us that this is, this is the distortion zone. This is where they weren't mentally healthy, and I think it's, there's a lot that we can learn from the story. The story is in Numbers chapter 13, and I'll give you a little bit of backstory of this. The Israelites were uh, slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And this slavery uh, was harsh. It was extreme. It was abusive. It was trauma generation after generation after generation. And it got so bad that in Exodus chapter 2, it says that the Israelites cried out to God for a, a savior, for a rescue from this slavery. And God sent Moses. You know the whole story. Moses gets them out. Ten plagues gets them out of Egypt. They go through the wilderness, they get to the promised land, and Moses sends in 12 spies into the promised land. And this is, this is their report back. And, and the reason why I, I want to go through this story is because they had just, the Israelites, you remember there's only a couple of months out from being freed from slavery. 
And they had their entire lives been in abusive, you know, strenuous trauma their entire lives. And so we shouldn't be shocked that they're not in the most mental, healthy, you know, state. And yet we watch in this that they're free, so they're probably feeling good. But yet we watch in the interaction in the story in Numbers chapter 13, we start to see how this trauma has created distortion and, and really irrational thinking. And we're going to highlight that a little bit, and then we're going to see what we can do to get out of that um, for all of us. Let's pick it up in, in verse 26. It talks about the 12 uh, spies. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole uh, Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of, of Paran. And uh, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So this is an account, you know, they, they had heard all the prophecies that it was a land flowing of milk and honey. They heard all the rumors that had incredible fruit. And so they brought back this fruit and they showed them the fruit of the land and it was exactly as they had reported. So all's good. Verse 27, it says, and they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. So far, so good. But it says in verse 28, the people who live there are very powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And that's descendants of, that's talking about giants. And the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the, you know, it goes on, you know, Amorites and the half, you know, all the ites and the Canaanites by the Sea of the Jordan. And here's where they're just giving a report. And this is where it starts to kind of go a little bit sideways. So far, this is not really all that bad. They're just giving a report. But it's almost, you can almost hear in their, how they're saying this, that they, it's almost like they were expecting the land to be, to be vacant and that there wasn't going to be any opposition whatsoever. And they seem, I don't know, just a little bit reluctant. Do you see that in them? Just a little bit reluctant and going, you know, they're like, man, the fruit is great. This is all good. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful and, and, you know, they're going to, push back and they're expecting it's almost like they're like they're they're going to pose us which healthy people understand that anything worth pursuing is going to face opposition Dwight L Moody said this he says the best work usually meets the strongest opposition i mean if you ever wanted something really bad i mean something really valuable it takes work to get there there's probably going to be some opposition in doing it whether it's spiritual opposition whether it's outside opposition, whether it's internal opposition, there's going to be opposition for anything worthwhile. And the Israelites were almost, I don't know, they almost expected like, hey, this promised land, we're just going to walk in and set up camp. But if you think about that, it's not really rational because if the land is as valuable as God promises, a land flowing with milk and honey, you know, incredible fruit, then that would be attractive to everybody. So the fact that there's other people settling there, it's not really a big surprise. Shouldn't have been a big surprise, but for some reason, it seems the Israelites seem to be taken back by that. And, and this is kind of where everything kind of goes wrong. But even among the unhealthy, there are those who were healthy and had faced the same 
Slavery, the same things, but yet they process things differently than the rest. Those two are, are Joshua and Caleb. It says in verse 30 that Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Joshua and, and Caleb, we see Joshua speak up a little bit later, but Joshua and Caleb were healthy. They, I mean, think about it. They experienced the same slavery, the same trauma as, as the rest of the Israelites had, yet somehow they were able to think clearer or more clearly than and free of distortion in their minds and, and hearts. And, and this is what I, I want to, I just want to pause here for a moment. I want you to think about this because all of us have gone through the last two years and all of us have gone through this pandemic and all of us you know, have faced the same, the same, you know, irritants and, and restrictions. And we've, we, we've sensed the same, I don't know, disillusionment, all these kind of things. And yet those who are going to come outside of this, on the other side of this stronger, is not those who had the circumstances line up better for them. It's going to be those who can free themselves of distortion and think clearly. And it shows this here because we see Joshua and Caleb facing the exact same situation as the Israelites did, the rest of the Israelites did, and yet for some reason they're able to process properly while, and, and there's no excuse, I mean there's no, we, we shouldn't feel bad for, for the Israelites that they weren't thinking clearly. I mean I, I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic to the fact that you know I can't imagine spending my entire life in slavery and seeing the abuse and the death and the mistreatment and all of that trauma and, and expecting them to just, you know, walk out of Egypt being completely healthy. I mean, they had their miracle, they had their breakthrough, but yet there's a process of healing that goes on within our hearts and with our minds as well. And yet, while some of them were still processing to health, Joshua and Caleb, for some reason, were able to process properly. And what made them different? We'll see that in a moment, what made them different. But, but for you and me, we can't say that our health is going to be based on everything aligning or the circumstances around us. Our mental health, our heart health that we're talking about in this series is not based on circumstances or everything aligning. It's a, it's a lot of it has to do with how we can process properly and how we can, as what we learned last week, how Solomon said that we can guard our hearts above all else, guard our hearts, pay attention to what's going on in our heart thinking and being able to deal with it. So Joshua and Caleb, they, they speak up and they, you know, they say, you know, we, we can do it. We got to go. We, we got to do this. And then verse 31, this is where, this is where the irrationality uh, uh, that goes to an extreme and the distortion, you know, mental health. Remember, it's not about feeling good. I'm sure they were feeling a lot better, you know, being freed from, you know, Egypt and not being slaves anymore. It's not, mental health is not about being free or feeling good. It's about being able to see things free of distortion. Look at the distortion in, in, in the Israelites' minds here. It says the, the, the men, but the men who had gone up with him, with, with Caleb and Joshua, said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Now, okay, this is an opposition sizing up, you know, you know, you can, you know, in sports analogies, we're not 
we're not really, you know, uh, a warrior, you know, type society now, but we can, you know, size up opposition, whether it be in business or in sports, all the rest of it, and going, and, and you can be honest sometimes. That's not unhealthy and saying, hey, that's a better team than we are. That's that, you know, they're, that person's, you know, that business is better than we are. You know, that's normal. But listen, they don't just stop here. And, and the fact is, is that historians tell us that there are about 3 million men that would constitute the Israelites traveling with Moses and, and these 12, you know, spies, 3 million men. And just those numbers alone would have constituted more than the seven nations in Canaan put together. If for some reason, the seven nations in Canaan, historians say, that these ones were constantly fighting with one another, they could never get along. And let's just say, you know, miraculously, they decided to kind of all seven nations join together to fight against the Israelites. Even then, they were outclassed, outmatched, outnumbered. And so the fact that the Israelites were saying, hey, we, we can attack these people. They're stronger than we are. Just in the natural alone wasn't true, wasn't right. And this is what happens when we get into, into uh, mental weakness you know, and emotional weakness, and we're dealing with trauma, and we don't process it properly, we begin to see things through distorted eyes and distorted views. And all of a sudden, the opposition in front of us looks more intimidating. All of a sudden, what we're facing seems stronger, and we seem weaker. And we get into this distortion zone where we don't have as much confidence as we normally would have. That's what happens if we don't keep our hearts healthy. I'll show you this because in verse 32, they, they, you know, they just didn't stop there. They're stronger than us. Look at this. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And this is what they said. The land we explored devours those living in it. Okay, wait, time out. This right here is completely irrational. Because if the land that they are exploring devours everyone living in it, then, well, hey, good, there's nobody there to stop us. I mean, if, if the land devoured everybody, there's no opposition. We don't have to worry about the people in there because the land devoured them. That's completely irrational. This wasn't true. And then it says, all the people we saw there were of great size. All the people. And they were, of course, referring to the, you know, the descendants of Anak and, and, and the giants. And yet, we see in the book of Joshua, when Joshua and the next generation actually went into the promised land, and they fought against all these people, and they took the promised land, we only see an account of four giants that Joshua and the three million, did I say it? Three million, you know, Israelite men that fought? Four giants. And yet... The irrationality that, that, that comes here, the exaggeration that comes here from the Israelites is like, man, the land devours everybody. And, and all of the people are of great size. And what happens when we're in an, a mentally unhealthy state is suddenly we become overwhelmed. We begin to exaggerate our, you know, our problems and everything that's going on is just everything's bad. Everything's big. Everything's too much to overcome. And, and the longer we stay in this state, the worse it gets. And they start off by saying, man, you know, they're stronger than us. 
to the fact that all of them are giants, which wasn't too, to the fact that all the land devours everybody, and it just keeps on escalating and escalating and escalating. And, and, and here's the outcome of all of this process. Watch what happens now, is in verse 33, and it says this, and we saw the Nephilim there, which is the descendants of Anak, you know, come from the Nephilim, the giants. We seemed like grasshoppers, and here's the truth, in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Watch. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. You get to the place when we're in a mentally unhealthy state, and we're dealing with it. And again, I don't blame the Israelites for, for being in this place. But we get to the place where we are, we have so much distortion going on that we begin to see things differently. Not rationally, not clearly, but we begin to see things differently. And all of a sudden, everything's a problem. All of a sudden, everything's too much to overcome. All of a sudden, we can't see, we can't see a breakthrough on anything. All we see is problems. And it gets to the place where the bottom line is, is that we begin to see ourselves as mere grasshoppers. We begin to, we think less and less and less and less of ourselves to where we are merely grasshoppers in our own eyes to them. Now, the story goes on, and, and the Israelites basically said that we can't go in, and they wouldn't go in, and, and God gets you know, upset, and, and, and they are then banished now to the wilderness for, for 40 years to wander around until that generation passes away and the next generation goes on into the promised land following Joshua and Caleb, by the way, which indicates to me that those who are going to come through this pandemic on the other side stronger aren't the ones that were, you know, freest from the circumstances, but the ones who are able to free their, their, their minds from the distortion and being able to process this properly, they get the promise and they get the destiny. And you got to be one of them. I want you to be one of them that, that can reach your destiny in 2022 and saying, man, regardless of the circumstances around us, we, we rose up on the other side. Despite what happens to us, we rose up on the other side. But what's interesting in the dialogue that God had with Moses, God said something that this verse is maybe one of the more disturbing verses in all of the Bible for me, because this is what God says to Moses in regards to what we just read about the reports of the 12 spies of the 10 spies and, and the people's response to all of that and, and dealing with all of this. This is what God says to Moses. This is just alarming. Look at this in Numbers 14, verse 28, God tells Moses, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you, talking about the Israelites, the very thing I heard you say. I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Now, why is that the most disturbing verse in the Bible? Because it's disturbing to me because we serve a God that is limitless. We serve a God who is, is almighty, all-powerful, and able to get any of us through anything. And we serve a God who we know later, because we can see into the future, because we can read what happened 40 years later, that when Joshua moved into the promised land, that they walked around Jericho and the walls miraculously fell, 
that they saw miracle after miracle after miracle in the promised land that God went before them and was able to deliver. God is able to do that. But this generation right here that saw things through the distorted eyes and the mental unhealthiness and they saw this, God said to them, I am only able, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. And what did he hear them say? He heard them say, we can't. And God said, well, I guess we can't. He heard them say, we're just grasshoppers in our own eyes. And God's like, I'm limited by that. It's crazy. He says, I will do the very things I heard you say. Now, last week I talked about, you know, the Proverbs 4.23, above all else, God, your, your, your heart, because everything you do flows from it. That word flows from it in Hebrew literally means fences on a property. And right here, God, who is able to farm far outside the fence line, so basically says that the fence line that you build on your own mental health, the fence line of belief that you have in your own, in your own life, that God is going to work within that fence line. And so in 2022, in this series, what we're wanting to do is expand that fence line and saying, I don't want to put a limit on myself. I don't want to put a limit on God to be able to do what he can do, what only he can do in my life and through my life in 2022. So I need to remove that fence line. If God himself says, I'm going to do, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say, let me ask you this question. If God was to do to you the very thing that he heard you say, what would he be doing? Would you be more blessed or more limited? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. We looked at this verse last week, but I want to I add a sentence to what he said on this to what we read last week. But this is what Jesus said. He says, a good man brings good things out of the the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And here's the, the sentence that he says next that we didn't get to last week, but he says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The Israelites had this, this mentality because they've been treated like insects. You know, they've been treated like lower class as slaves. They had been through the abuse and the trauma. Their heart had been there. And when it came, push came to shove, their, their mouth began to spoke and began to speak what their heart was already believing and was full of, that we're just grasshoppers. They, they believe that. And eventually that came out of their mouth. And then God says, I will only do what I'm hearing you say. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not saying all of this to say, you know, to, to, you know, to be all convicting and all, you know, you know, depressing, all the rest of it. I, I want, I want to, we, we, I want to give you some hope because here's what I believe that we can do to get out of it. That if you were to pay attention to what your heart says, if you were to pay attention to what your, what your mouth says this week, and, and you begin to say, you know, pay attention to what you're speaking. Is it positive or is it negative? Is it, is it uplifting 
or is it is it putting people down putting yourself down how do you t what's your self-talk about yourself if you start to pay attention to that I, I don't think what Jesus is saying here is say, he's condemning he's saying that you're going to be able to reveal what's in your heart by listening to your self-talk by listening to your what your mouth says and if you can see if your mouth is speaking negative come on if then you're saying man there's something in my heart that is that I need to pay attention to to get healthy and if it's speaking positive, then it's saying, okay, this is good. I got to keep that, keep feeding that, keep going in this thing. But your, your mouth is going to speak what your heart is full of. So what is your self-talk saying about you? And pay attention to it. And then when you start to see this week, when you start to pay attention to what you're saying, your self-talk, this is what I want you to do. I want you then to name it. Dr. Dan Siegel said this, and he's talking about how to process trauma properly. You know, psychologist, Dr. Dr. Dan Siegel, uh, he said this, you need to name it to tame it. And he encourages his clients to name the feelings outside of their healthy zone. Okay, if you're starting to see that your, your, your talk is all of a sudden getting more and more negative, and you're starting to see, man, man, I'm negative, and man, I, I you know, I, my first response, and I, I'm, I'm cutting myself down, I'm cutting others down, and I just, I, I say can't a lot, and you start to see all this, he says, he says, be alert, Jesus is saying, be alert to what's going on there, and he says, then, you, this will be, this will highlight you, and then you can name it to be able to tame it, and, and what they talk about with, with mental health clients, is he says, it creates this awareness and an ability to address the issue and process it back to health. What they, what they train, you know, what they trained us in this, this course is that PTS victims, are, you know, PTSD victims, people who've gone through extreme traumas and, and different things, they're taught to, to tend, you know, and, and befriend. So they're taught to tend and befriend. So what that means is that when, you know, uh, first responders, you know, go to a bad call and all the rest of it, they say, even if it's late at night, everyone's all tired and all, all this kind of stuff, they come back and typically they'll just hang around and they tend and be friends. They begin to talk through and, and want to be around each other and just talk things through. And that's part of that is healthy in processing this trauma. Because if, again, if we go back to this, this chart that I showed you last week in, in the healthy zone, you know, if we go outside of that healthy zone, um, we get to anything outside of that healthy zone moves your brain activity to to the amygdala in, in your brain, which is the the this is the uh, adrenaline part of your brain, which is what your your body's created to you know have this amygdala thing, so that if you're in danger, that you'll automatically respond. But when when your brain transfers all of the thinking to the amygdala, you're going to respond, but the rest of it's going to shut down. And if this fear or this trauma gets trapped into the amygdala, part of, of the brain, it gets, it, it, and, and it gets trapped there, it gets processed in an unhealthy way, and eventually it'll begin to cause damage in there. And what you want to do is this tend and befriend thing, you want to talk it through, and you want to move it from there by, by talking it through and naming it, it'll bring it now to the prefrontal cortex, which, which is your conscious, being able to consciously think about this and talk it through, and identifying, so if you can you know, identify that and talk it through. By talking it through, it moves it out of that amygdala trauma side of things into the prefrontal cortex, which then allows you 
to process it properly. So what am I saying? I'm saying all of this to say, Caleb and Joshua went through the same trauma and they weren't denying the trauma they went through, yet their process was different and they're saying, we can do this. And, and, and the Israelites, went, going, having gone through the trauma, went into, we can't do it. And they ended up, instead of you know, the banter back and forth, instead of, instead of speaking it out and saying, no, God got us out of that and God got us out of this and we can talk this through and we talk through this trauma. And if they had, had done that, they would have named it. They might have tamed it. And they might have convinced themselves differently to do this. Because the ultimate thing is, is if we get into a mental unhealthy state, out, un, un, you know, outside of the healthy zone, we're going to be in a place of distortion. We're not going to see things clearly and do this. So all that being said, this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to pay attention to your self-talk this week. And if in your self-talk, if you're listening to yourself and going, my goodness, what's coming out of my mouth is negative. It's can't. It's won't. It's, 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 you know, it's not positive. It's not faith building. It's fear instead of faith. It's can't instead of can. All of these, it's negative instead of positive. If you're starting to see that there, then I want you, I want you to name that. See that? And then how you tame it is you get them to talk it through and saying, man, I need to talk with somebody, attend and be friend. I need to find someone that I can talk to and hang out and say, man, I don't think I'm doing well. I know I need help with this, whatever it might be. We can talk through, I went through this and I'm feeling that and we can talk it through. Not so that we can dwell in that and stay stuck in there and so that we can, so that we can move it to our rational side of things and begin to not just feel better, but begin to see things free of distortion. Jesus said, a good man brings forth good things out of the goodness in his heart, an evil man out of the evil of his heart. So if there's evil in our heart or fear in our heart, let's bring it to the process. Pay attention to that. Bring it to the front, and then we can tend and be friends. Today's takeaway is simply this. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I want you to pay attention this week to your self-talk. What does your self-talk have to say about what's really going on within you. Are you speaking positive, negative, building up, tearing down? And let's not make excuses, but let's identify it so that we can name it and then we can tame it. Dr. Mila, she said in our, our course is that healing doesn't occur in isolation. I thought, man, that's a powerful statement. Healing doesn't occur in isolation. That's part of the trauma that we've gone through in this last, you know, couple of years is, is having to be isolated from one another. Man, healing doesn't occur in isolation. We need one another in order to heal properly. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not yet part of a house party or our groups, I encourage you, man, you got to get with a group, and talk things through, and make sure that you can process these things, identify where you're at, talk it through, and then make sure that you can bring healing to your heart and saying, my God is able, I, I can, I'm going to see things clearly, and I'm going to teach you next week how we can go a step further into bringing more health to us. But I encourage you, if you haven't got the book yet, get Minecraft and begin on this process, and we're going to process our way to health by naming it, identifying what our self-talk is, identifying what's unhealthy, if there's unhealthy in there, naming it, 
so that we can tame it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And God, I thank you that, man, that you, you are with us. Holy Spirit, that you're in us and that you can help us identify what's really going on in our hearts and our minds. And I pray that you'd help us to see that and not feel the condemnation of, of things that, that we might not want to see or look at, but help us to be able to boldly address those things, see those things, name them, talk them through. Lord, I pray that we'd, you'd be able to guide us in that, re, in that regard as we, as we begin to talk this through and bring healing. As we gather around others and process this, Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to process this to health, to make our 2022 the best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to run through a prayer that does exactly that with you. It's not joining a religion. It's not joining a church. It's simply just a relationship with God. So I want to run through that prayer with you right now. Uh, if you close your eyes, bow your heads, repeat after me here. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So guys, if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you believed it and accepted that prayer, I would encourage you, there's a link that has been posted in the comment section. Click on that link. We'd love to congratulate you as well as we'd love to send you a Bible just to kind of begin you on your journey, uh, this new journey that you're on. Uh, and so click that link that's been provided in the comment section and yeah, we'll, we'll reach out. We'll, uh, we'll congratulate you as well.